Welcome to another episode of the HMG podcast. We're on episode eight. Uh, today, you've got me, Gorchen. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Jacob. On the podcast today, we're going to be talking about the final Varsity event. We're going to do a little bit of a hobby update as well and talk about the things that we've got going forward. So, Jacob, what have you been up to recently? Um, so, I've been exploring a lot of the, the world of moderns, basically. Um, so, I've been painting up a few modern figures to kind of represent what would be in a Counter-Strike kind of game. So, Dan, our regular host, he's got a uh, rule set that he's working on called Tactical Reload. Uh, and that is very representative of Counter-Strike itself. Um, and picking up uh, that interest actually came from the Varsity um, Firefight event where we did okay. kind of the defusal bomb missions and that kind of stuff. And I'm yeah. like, this oh, nice. is the kind of thing that I want to do on tabletop. Um, so I've been looking into moderns. I've been painting up some old World War Z warlord games minis that just are not available anymore as far as i know yeah i'm not sure what um, happened to that project it just it, it was there and then it wasn't yeah so it, it had these uh modern sprues that had pretty much all of the typical assault rifles smgs and that kind of stuff and they, they um uniforms were generic enough that they could kind of fit any kind of modern force yeah, like anywhere bdu's plate carriers balaclavas that sort of thing. yeah yeah so i painted up a, a bunch of those i did some way back and, and painted them to be uh, modern Russians that could be in Syria. Um, right, okay. Uh, I just kind of looked at what, what kind of camouflage patterns that they're using now, and then on the other side, I was like, okay, if I want to double down into this Counter-Strike-like gaming, let's paint some CTs. So same sprues again, just with you know blue uniforms and black and that kind of stuff. Um, How are you finding a painting moderns compared to like uh, World War II kind of stuff, which is what you normally paint? Well... There's actually the camouflage is way more complicated, uh, but complicated in the fact that you have more color variations, but it's freeing in a sense that you you you, you actually can use a lot more colors. You can go crazy. Yeah. You don't you don't have like you can you can find a lot of material and references out there to you know base it on, but when you look into that, there's a wide variety, and you could pretty much blindly choose a couple of colors and, and splash them on and you could, you could get something. I actually saw a Facebook post about someone being like, oh, why aren't uh, moderns more like accurate to the time period? And one of the publishers for some Kickstarter uh, piped up and he was like, we can't actually be that yeah. accurate because co uh, um, kits were changing like every couple of weeks yeah. Uh, out, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. out in the Wild West in Afghanistan and stuff. And so like, yeah, you do have a lot of freedom. And those who've seen Generation Kill, like... In the initial part of the invasion of Iraq, they were giving woodland camo yeah. um, CRBN suits yeah. to keep them safe from nuclear, biological, yeah. and, and radiological. But they still had desert, like, plate carriers, ammo yeah. carriers, backpacks, yeah. and stuff. So um, it's a hot mess. To, to, to be clear, when I'm talking about camo, I'm not talking Call of Duty camo. Yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, something we'll get, to, get, that. get <laughs> to that. Minute. But um, there are some... Uh, you know there are some strange colors like red is 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 apparent in in a lot of um pieces yeah. of camera and, mm -hmm. and it might just be this red little splotch or whatever it is but yeah. like um world war ii has a lot of it, it well particularly the germans have camo in world war ii uh, most of the nations do have some variant of it it's actually uh, an interesting case they trialed it in one of the u.s armored divisions for yeah. their infantry um they're basically what was mechanized infantry at that point they trialed 
what we would know like typical woodland camo uh they were on the receiving end of a lot of friendly fire incidents because the rest of the american sort of groups in that combat group didn't realize that americans were issued camouflage so they saw camouflage and they shot because that was a very reliable rule of thumb up until that point yeah Yeah, so uh from world war ii as far as i know you have um guards units that from the soviets that have camo particularly for street fighting um you have german units that have it normal wehrmacht ss and those kind of things but um there's vibrant colors in all of those so in particular the germans you've got these really bright oranges for autumn themes and really bright green for spring and this kind of stuff and it it looks out of place when you when you're first trying to paint it but it, it actually blends in quite well um i actually watched um probably a week ago some guy went into depth I've, I've got to remember the channel i'll link it in the bottom and whatever but um it was to talk about the effectiveness of camo from the perspective that they sourced you know a replica um camouflage from ss and, and whatever else and i think they're in texas or something but it was like a heavily wooded area and like they'd show you the examples of well, you, you see the frame shot and you can't see them for about yeah. a minute, even though they're slowly moving around. Yeah. And, and then, you know, maybe they'll raise their gun and then you'd be like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, and you could see how effective it was and how that would be a tactic that would be almost unique to mostly those forces at that time. When you're talking about camouflage, a lot of yeah. the misconceptions that people have is they think it's supposed to make you invisible or blend yeah. you into the, the environment. And... The blending into the environment is actually a secondary function of camouflage. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love <laughs> yeah. all the memes of it. It's just like you wear camouflage, you turn <laughs> yeah. invisible. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're actually trying to achieve, same with um, uh, the camouflage that you see on naval boats. Some of those have, you're talking like Razzle Dazzle. Yeah, it's, it's a blind insane the colors. Yeah. It's, not, it's not blindness. Yeah. It's to uh, prevent identification. Mm. And so the thing is, when you're looking for, like face paint camouflage is a really good uh, case study on this if you're mm-hmm. curious about this it's really effective face camouflage is to disrupt the pattern of a face mm-hmm. yeah so because humans will recognize patterns they'll be looking for if you're looking for infantry you're looking for shoulders you're looking for backpacks yeah. looking for helmets you want to break the silhouette yeah. so you don't stick out as a person mm-hmm. in a forest mm-hmm. you want to make it sure as best as you can that you can't see the outline and the silhouettes of people Mm. And that's, again, when it came to the naval boats, the purpose of the razzle-dazzle at long distances... Break that silhouette, was, right? Yeah. yeah, and so you couldn't actually identify what ship it was. You couldn't identify the class of vessel. You couldn't identify the nation. Right. Because you would, you know, if you see the sort of the blacks and the blues against each other, it'll actually break one boat into several. And yeah. so you might be looking at um, a battleship that will completely outclass your little, you, you know, you might be a little patrol boat convoy yeah. or something. Um but from your binoculars at distance, you'll see a merchant convoy, mm-hmm. for example. Right. Or you might see like three or four ships dotted in a line instead yeah. of instead of the silhouette. The, what's what's Razzle Dazzle? Uh, it's bizarre. It's you like know, just black. for the viewers at home who don't so know. There, um, there's a lot of great painting tutorials for Cruel Seas that utilize this. And it's this black and white stripes. And like they can be vertical stripes. They can be up and down and all this kind of it's stuff. It's geometric shapes. Yeah. And, uh, stripes okay, in lots yeah. of different directions yeah, yeah. but it's all like right angles it's blues blacks yeah. greens reds all of these different colors and it's to prevent identification of vessels mm-hmm. the germans actually took an interesting approach with some of their early at guns 
And what they did was around the edges of their gun shields was they, they added this wavy pattern. And mm-hmm. that's because if you, again, look at something natural, you don't see 90, 45s and 15 degree angles and, yeah. and the sheet metal. Mm. Uh, you see this, you know, you'll see patterns of, of not quite square things. And so yeah. that's why. And also the gun shield wasn't symmetrical for the same purpose mm-hmm. because symmetry again is, is something that's iconic of a manufactured piece of material. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, int- the unfortunate thing though is if you look at that gun shield from about 100 meters away, it becomes a straight line again because it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. like incredibly yeah, wavy. So yeah, whether yeah. that particular thing was effective, but just again, just those yeah. ideas of yeah, camouflage, yeah. you know, it's not about making you invisible. It's about preventing that silhouette yeah, from, yeah. from being that idea. evident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so did look into modern rule sets as well because obviously we've got that tactical reload that we're working with Dan, but um, I wanted to know what's out there. So what I do have, um, someone from the club ended up donating Spectre to me at some point. Awesome. Um, This is pretty much seen as the most popular rule set for moderns. It's it's done well, a lot of good reviews um, for that. Most people, if you ask, what do you play for moderns? They talk about Spectre. Okay. Um, but what that's scale the, is that at? Sort of squad level? Yeah, you, you, okay. you're talking about between five to twelve minis, something right, like that. Okay. Um, there, there are there are additional rules to, to, to expand that, but you're looking at maybe a two by two or a three by three table right, with, okay. with with small amounts of troops, uh, angles of fire are things. So there's a field of view. You have to have your model facing in the right way for things to happen. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then skill levels very important so i think i've only skimmed through it i think there's like three four five six different skill levels and that 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 appropriates to initiative and and things like this so you know your your task for one operators are going to shoot first as against the local militia or or something like that um but there's a lot of rules out there and it's a it's sort of a weird place in gaming itself I know two fat lardies have a rule set that they design for um, Middle Eastern conflicts that they're not allowed to actually put out there. So there is a lot of hesitation yeah. to uh, creating games that would simulate current conflicts. It's a it's a rumor that I've heard a lot, but I, I don't know that it's been substantiated. Yeah, the the idea that the two fat lardies game was too realistic and could actually yeah. teach you to fight against modern modern armies that sounds like very good propaganda it, from yeah <laughs> yeah and, and like i said i haven't seen the yeah. rule set i haven't seen any no. official word from it you know it could be a conscience thing um yeah and if it is a conscience thing then then you can you can take that in a couple of different ways mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's you know it's one thing to go ah oh, my rule set's really realistic i can't release it because yeah. it's going to teach yeah, you how to fight true. soldiers uh, but I don't. I don't think that's you know that's not the, the vibe that I'm getting. No. But the thing is, I've never actually heard that from two fat ladies or people associated with them. Just people yeah. talking about yeah. it. Also, yeah. yeah. Um. So what I wanted to just promote very quickly, there's a blog out there called Charge Blog, and he has a post that is okay. constantly updated. So, uh, that particular person is a prominent member of the Modern Miniatures Facebook group, the biggest awesome. one that's yeah. out there. Um. And it's and it's titled something along. The lines of great big modern warfare complete list of rule sets and, it, and it's a comparison of like okay. all of the rule sets that are well all of the popular ones there's something yeah. like 12 of them okay um so uh yeah i'm trying to trying to decide where i want to be what, what i'm cl- clear on wanting to do is i want small con well 
small combat. So right, okay. Very small squad level. You know, six yeah. mini sounds perfect to me. An hour a game. That that's what I want to look for. Okay. So, Spectre's a good one. Um, and then the other um, popular, but uh, and and I'm told is kind of a uh, easy to learn rule set is Black Ops, which is by okay. Osprey Games. Okay. And I know a few people in the club used to play that. Um, and particularly in PMGG, they, right, they play okay. a lot of that. Yeah. They did it for about a year. Um, so it's something Fantastic. I'm really into. The other thing is I uh, watched um, Armchair Historian this yeah, week yeah. specifically put out a whole Iraq 2003 series. So Ooh, um, it's about 45 minutes of content of those three videos just detailing what happened and where and those kind of things. So um, I'm kind of very interested in, in exploring that in gaming. Not, yeah. not necessarily just focused on Iraq, but, yeah. but, but modern, modern warfare. I, think, I guess I think yeah. it rocks that sort of interesting space where now we're moving, we're starting to slowly move out of asymmetric warfare. A lot of the, mm. those those modern nations are actually retooling from asymmetric warfare back into symmetric warfare, uh, and so I think Iraq is at that that particular conflict and that invasion is that really interesting point where it's modern enough where most of us remember it happening, mm -hmm. um, and. And remember some of the lead up build up to it but it's long enough that that a lot of the stuff that was hidden is now coming out yes and, and and a lot of the official stuff is being relaxed a little bit and we can talk about those things more so i think it's it's in that sweet spot where it's uh, interestingly it's starting to fade into the historical yeah part it is, where yeah. you can explore those different aspects yeah i know um there's a few people around who are really keen on sort of platoon or bigger yep. and sort of cold war gone hot scenarios yeah. mm. um I'm I'm sort of quite interested in that as well. Okay. Uh, but I haven't really found a rule set that's captured me. I wasn't really keen on Team Yankee, which I think is the Battlefront yeah. Miniatures Cold War one. Um, but that would be the scale that you're thinking that you'd like. I think that one's probably a little yeah. bit too big, sort yeah. of company. Okay. It's mm -hmm. probably something around you know one or two platoons. Mm -hmm. You know something like a mechanized infantry platoon or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, just ignorantly uh, I'm not a game designer I haven't yeah. done that much homework just yet but looking at a lot of the uh, what I understand of the conflict it seems quite a different difficult scale to capture mm. just because you most of the stuff that you would actually be utilizing would be off-map assets you yeah. know artillery at this point even mm. even mortar ranges um, you know you're not talking precision guided munitions for the most part mm -hmm. uh, you know an armored conflict and if you're trying to talk about realistic ranges or at least plausible ranges you know it becomes a, a game of playing on you know a 12 by 8 yeah with, with one infantry platoon and yeah the whole thing just sort of unravels quite quickly so mm -hmm. i haven't uh you know that that's me just um prophesizing in an yeah, armchair yeah, 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 uh, yeah. so i'm gonna go on and see if i can find find something in that sort of scale because i think it would be it would be interesting um trying to capture something in between because the the squad level stuff is obviously like really interesting and yep. really engaging, but I always like seeing something a little bit bigger for me. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, uh, it's skipping ahead a little bit, but um, Varsity, I think he did a really good job of capturing like multiple platoons, platoons fighting like yeah, all at once, which was yeah, it was really good fun. But yeah, we'll get to <laughs> we'll, we'll get to we'll that. Get to yeah, that, definitely. That, that actually does uh, one of the things that I was really cool, uh, happy to see at Varsity was your WAFM the little unit you're working on there. Ah, yeah. segue, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of the WAFM, uh, so yeah, I've been working on my first uh, German army. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah called the Wafem, uh, which is to appease my my uh, my conscience really because I always wanted to collect Germans. Right. Yeah. I think I think yeah. everyone who like does World War Two at some point is like man the war marked what a what an interesting kind of group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I was kind of like oh but they did so many terrible terrible things <laughs> yeah I don't yeah. really feel comfortable. So how can I turn this on my head and make myself feel comfortable while also getting to play with all these awesome toys? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, enter the Waffen. What are they? They are a Waffen SS uh, battalion or division or whatever. Uh, reinterpreted. Reinterpreted <laughs> to the Waffen, meaning, uh, yeah, they are the most fanatical, flamboyant, fabulous soldiers <laughs> you will ever see on the battlefield. Um, uh, yeah, they're just absolutely covered in pink uh which has been really really interesting and of course you're getting a panther and uh, that pink. i have a pink panther or two and yeah it's like i've never been this excited to collect an army before like yeah. in the past especially with painting i find yeah. it very difficult and like just slap it on just do whatever but these guys i have literally a half a box of grenadiers in different stages of yeah. like recipes <laughs> and trying different things that's a really important part of the journey yeah. those test pieces absolutely and I, think, and I know for me it was really uh it sort of echoed a lot of the experiences i had going into sort of my first painting competition mm. was was trying all of these different recipes and i know going being part of that process with you and, and yeah. trying all those different colors and seeing them come to life was mm. really cool but you got there in the end, right? Yeah, so yeah, I got so... my pink down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which means I can start I can start building up these guys who I'm having ready for skulls in November. Yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Perfect. Um but yeah. Only six weeks. Going to the camouflage, I'm looking at guns now. How do I want to paint yeah. them? Okay. And yeah. Jacob oh, I, sh- <laughs> I shouldn't have listened. Um, but Jacob said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you painted them camo? Uh, like, uh, and <laughs> my my head's instantly like red tiger, urban camo, yes. like from from Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make <laughs> it think, really fun. I think originally he was like, oh yeah, just woodland camo, but I was like, no, nah, we're going like gold guns. Like. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm looking at how best to paint camo on just guns, and at the moment, yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, quite challenging. I yeah. think it is. So my thought would be, uh, you should be trying things that might not necessarily be a paintbrush. So uh, when I've done... He's, weird... he's got some really clever ideas. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so um, back when I did a commission for British Modern Camera, um, there were these tiny faint lines and I tried it with a brush. I'm like, this is just excruciating. Just, you make too many mistakes. Yeah. Uh, toothpick, yeah. sometimes a pin. Um, and you've got to be careful because you might be scraping the model. But um, you can get those finer lines in pretty easy that way. Um, And because it's not a brush and Mm. it's a straight thing, like like you kind of... You could probably, yeah. Um, That actually does remind me. I remember you you suggested this when you were talking about German dot camo. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, the dots. You just get a a toothpick and you just dot them like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I remember experiencing almost physical pain at the amount of times (laughs) I tried to, like paint a dot with a paintbrush yeah because even if you get the the flow like spot on and maybe if you're a much better not maybe definitely if you're a better <laughs> painter than i am you have no issues with this but one of the challenges that i have is getting like a nice concentric circle because yeah. of course if you think about a nice detailed brush it's got soft bristles it wants to move around on you and you have to apply not much just a little bit of pressure to get it to move mm. otherwise you get like very thin paint that will flow off your brush quite readily 
but again it's not going to give you that nice vibrant dot that yeah it's very typical mm. and i think the more that i've thought about it and, and spoken to you about your toothpick techniques i think hands down the most underrated hobby tool is a box of toothpicks yeah uh, and and i don't i don't say this to oversell <laughs> the point when it came to um in my iron signet entry i used more toothpicks than i did anything else are we talking uh freehand on Decals no, no. So that, like that, that one, yeah. I still find that yeah. the brush works yeah. better because yeah. I'm trying to mimic the, the strokes of infantry. Yeah. So getting yeah, right. getting the little tails and stuff works much better with a brush. Oh, cool. But I'm talking like the the tool that I use to create the, the derivatives in the belt, uh, sorry, the, the divots in the weld seams and yeah. the beads was a toothpick with a little bit of soda can like metal wrapped around it in U shape. And then when I'm when I was filling in all of the seams and stuff, I was trying to use like plastic knives or my finger or something like this yeah. toothpick every time oh, every wow. time yeah honestly just using a toothpick and just rolling mm -hmm. it uh, i was using sort of the tami epoxy putty which is quite sticky mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. have to like wet the toothpick and stuff but honestly and then i was i made a barbed wire fence and used the toothpicks for all of those poles yep. and yep. if you tap them you'll get the little mushrooming oh, effect yeah. you get when you hammer like mm -hmm. wood into ground and all of these little things honestly one dollar can like yeah <laughs> whatever you call it, a little container yeah, of toothpicks yeah, yeah. and they hands down the best that's fantastic investment I've, I've ever spent <laughs> in yeah. in hobby uh just just uh just checking what was the pattern for the uh for the weld the <laughs> <laughs> this is a little bit of an inside joke um so when i did the weld beads on on my m10 uh i had patented the tool to make uh, I'm not a welder, so I'm going to get this horribly wrong. If you're a metal worker, please, please do correct me in the comments so we can learn together. Um, but it's, I think I, I had a, I think they call them concentric or curved weld beads where you get, where you get that sort of circle pattern. And I think if you actually look at it uh, a little bit closer, it's a linear weld, which I think is, mm -hmm. is done completely differently. Again, I don't, I don't understand the process. Um, but so if you are very keen on, on history and you very much care about the assembly of materials, uh, you will probably spot that the weld seams on my M10 are incorrect. <laughs> uh, they are in the incorrect period. <laughs> I, there are I'm, weld seams at all. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have never seen anyone go to that length of detail. Because like, yeah. you send through photos, like we have the, yeah. in the Discord yeah. and stuff, of, yeah. um, of what you're working on. And seeing, you, you must have spent like a couple weeks just working on, and like it felt like a couple weeks with this weld. Like, yeah, so it was, it was probably about a week's worth of hobby time which yeah. um, I did, I did, I didn't keep a strict tally. Just, just for my own sake, I wanted to know. It ended up being an average of about fifteen hours per week. I right. was, I was working, uh, I was mm -hmm. having for hobby time, and so that was including all of the test pieces um, uh, on, on a one seventy second Centurion. Oh, no, sorry, uh, a Walker, which is in yeah, in a horrendous shape now because it's covered in in putty <laughs> and weld seams that are awful. Uh, yeah, it was probably about fifteen or twenty hours to yeah, get right, but it's. It's one of those things that um, there's this weird break point in that skill where mm -hmm. looks like crap, looks like crap, looks like crap. You do one and you're like, oh, that looks pretty good. And then yeah. and then getting it from pretty good to a little bit better has not happened. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I, that was that was a, you know another 15, 20 hours on, on getting the the actual weld seams onto the model. Yeah, right. And the, it, yeah, it, there's a it's a weird thing where happened where your brain and eyes just go, oh, that's what we're doing, and then it works. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, if if you guys are keen on trying it, check out Night Shift on YouTube. It's got some fantastic, oh, right. yeah, fantastic yeah. tutorials on that. That's actually where I'd sort of learned. So is that a like a scale model? Or yeah, or? yeah. He's yeah. um, 
he's in Europe, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, that's all he does. He just does scale models. He's mm -hmm. more in sort of the 135th space. But yep. yeah, his every video, he talks about everything that he does. And he really like works you through it. He's a fantastic person to learn from. Speaking of scale models, you have a very interesting tank that you've bought for the WAFM. Oh, yes. <laughs> Coming back to the WAFM. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, like I said, I've never had this much passion for a project. So I've gone all out. I've got Captain K from, um, from <laughs> JoJo. Yep. Um, I've got some she-wolves from Pulp Miniatures. They're yep. like German um, female soldiers. Think, and they have like a dog as well. It's think, like... think Tarantino, Fu Manchu <laughs> trailer it's from Grindhouse. Right. Oh, man, it's, this is amazing. They're phenomenal. And then the most recent purchase... Uh, thanks, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> he sent me the link for it. Uh, it was this uh, Toon tank, like a oh, tiger yeah. tank. War Toon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, World War Two. Tournament legal, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you don't mind me having this like tiny little tiger just hide behind this building. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, it's but, four times taller, yeah. like eight times shorter. Yeah, yeah. It's just perfect height for like a building. It's just squeezed up. So it's got like two two wheels on like the tracks or oh, something yeah, on yeah. either side, it's, and it's just like you know really yeah. high and. It's just ex comically proportioned. Yeah. yeah. So no, I don't good. think I'll be using that for skulls, but it is. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Look, I'm scared enough, honestly. Bringing these guys to skulls, I'm really worried that some people are going to get really, really mad at me. I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> like, I say worried, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, like it, I think it'll really show people's true colours. Yeah. Yeah. Army never had pink. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do now. Never mind that somehow in bolt action, every like platoon has a supporting vehicle, not yeah. like one in every 400th platoon. <laughs> yeah. Never mind that fact. Yeah, the yeah. problem no. is they never had pink. Never had pink. That's the yeah. real problem. One of my objective markers is, is also going to be a pride flag. Yes. Um, okay. so Thank you. I, I'm going full out with this army. I just really yep. want to bring like um, representation. I think. And I think yeah. that, that's a really good thing. We don't see a lot of that in this space. Um, yeah, I think Games Workshop recently did an unofficial post about why all space space marines are male. Yeah. It was yeah. it like some and and all of this sorts of stuff. And and I think Objective Secured made a, makes a really conscientious uh, effort with their doubles event to mm. bring um, everybody into the community. Mm. And we all try to be as welcoming and inclusive as possible because the the reality is that you know we got people of all different walks yeah. of life out there, and Absolutely. we want them all to just be there and having a good time yeah. and that's a really important thing yeah it's uh yeah it's interesting coming into this space like because warhammer it targets it targets little kids right it does <laughs> yeah. Yeah. kids who have parents with a bit of cash who want to yeah. make little timmy happy right yeah um but when you get into the kind of historical kind of stuff yeah, yeah. it's an older kind of crowd i'm finding yeah. like yeah. they're obviously yeah. younger but yeah. um especially coming to even rhg i think yeah. i'm one of the youngest I am probably the youngest person there. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, finding, bringing that kind of, uh, I don't want to say breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Bringing that kind of new perspective. There yeah. A new yeah, perspective yeah. is something that I've always wanted to kind of capture with everything that I've done. Mm. Fantastic. Um, so, bringing it to, like, my fa newest favorite army yeah, <laughs> just seemed like a no brainer. Yeah. 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 Um, for me, in my hobby journey, uh, I've, typically looked at a paint scheme that's provided by the manufacturer right yeah and 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 work towards i i when i started that way i didn't enjoy painting one bit yeah. trying to match their color scheme their quality as well mm -hmm. like 
you you just setting yourself up. Heavy metal standards. Oh, yeah. You're setting yeah. yourself up for failure, especially if you're a guy who just does refuses to do any kind of layering or line <laughs> line edge highlighting or anything like that. So um, it, it it took me a couple of months when I first started. I'm like, okay, painting. I'm just gonna go for what I think. Yeah. Um, and then from there, then I moved to different games, and then I started again. I'm like, okay, let's look up painting tutorials that people do. And then I'll be like, okay, I need this color, this color. I need these five shades of green or whatever. Yeah. Then I shifted from that. I'm like, no, I will look at what something looks like and I'll use what colors that are similar to that mm. and then move from there. So yeah. like that was kind of like my stages of, but I think the creative freedom when you move to something that's Absolutely. designed in your head, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just way more fun. And I don't know about yeah. you, but like I always got a little bit resentful about buying paints that yep. were for this specific thing. I was like, ow, like, I don't really want to have to buy more paint. <laughs> yeah. Here I am with 20 shades of pink. <laughs> like, You've never been happy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. I was like, oh, I can use this and then get this and yeah. mix them together. Like, yeah, so I think it yeah. really, really helps when you're passionate about something. Yeah. And yeah. You let go of these kind of shackles that you put on yeah. yourself. Yeah. 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 And there, there is something to be said for if you're trying to learn a specific technique is apply some constraints. Mm. But that's just because if you've if you've done a lot of designing, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about artistic designing. I mean, like you know, you might call it engineering, you might call it woodworking. If you've done any of that kind of designing, if you have a lot of constraints, it's extremely difficult to design within that uh, entry or mm -hmm. those th those barriers. If you have no constraints, it's even harder. Yeah. Having absolutely zero constraints yeah. on a design, which is typically what happens with an army scheme, right? You, you will flounder and find it very difficult. What I find helps a lot is applying a couple of artificial constraints. And, you know, they're, they're things that don't actually, that aren't actually limiting you, but you've just decided that you're not going to worry about. They're outside your current scope. Mm. And that might be that might be a skill level. It might be, like you said, Jacob, I'm not buying new paints. Yeah. Um, or as you said, uh, Tyler, your whole process here is like, no, I want to bring in this new perspective with my army. These are all not real constraints they're yeah. not actually preventing yeah. you yeah, from yeah. doing the things that you want to do but you're using them because it, it flexes your creative muscle it's like having your own vision correct like having yeah. that kind of yeah yeah the, yeah and, um, and using that vision to set those constraints those boundaries will i think will help you create that that space where you go oh these are all the things that i want to try and i'm not really worried about the outcome the mm. thing is i'm trying it oh yeah yeah like I've learned so many new skills just from trying different colors, yeah. like yeah. seeing how, oh, that pink isn't actually the same as that pink and like like your your, your kind of dry brush, <laughs> just whack it on. <laughs> oh, and, uh, like going there and then, yeah, going, because you really helped me uh, teach me about, uh, what's it called, uh, edging? Edge, yeah. edge yeah. highlighting? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like getting some of that in and getting into the recesses. So I get like a bit of precision from you and just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. good old whack it on. <laughs> It's been really fun. And uh, I would like to point out that Jacob is the successful commission painter at the table. Absolutely. So yeah. <laughs> you probably want to take more of his advice than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of painting, uh, when we, we're going to be talking about Varsity in a moment, but there is also another upcoming event that we're all attending, which we've just talked about, which is Skulls. Yeah. There is a figure that is being sent to everybody next week. We Next will week. be able okay. to pick it up from Good Games Rockingham. Other people will be able to pick it up from Outpost. Okay. So OTP is printing out this thing called um, Partisan Pete. So every force will have their own little partisan. 
um, and there's a painting competition assigned with that within the event itself. Yeah. So we're really looking for, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only a single figure. Yeah. Um, so kind of go nuts in, in the sense of like, make this a character figure, try yeah. some things that are a little bit new, kind of outside of what you would normally do. For me, like I'm not going to just do my, <laughs> my one base coat dab it in, in wash and then dry brush it, I might actually try layering or something, who knows. But Wait, So how do you get hold of that figure? Like, do so, you have to have paid already? Or? So yeah. it's part of the, it, it's... Included in the included, cost, but... It's actually not coming from the cost of the event itself, oh, okay. which is which is interesting. This is this is a sort of a donation from Outpost itself to help oh, wow. support the VA community. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I did an interview with Justin um, all about... Um, this event and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later but um, with partisan Pete um, you'll be able to get him from attending the event you'll there's a number of places to pick him up um, for registering to the event right you get yes. it before the event yeah. yes because yeah. 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 you 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 want to have him painted yeah. for the event okay so uh, do you register by like clicking going on the Facebook you click going you pay, and like... then you also tell Justin that you're attending <laughs> okay um, there's a little there's a little post in there yeah. and, okay. and it's a sign up list and it's it's like are you playing access or allies are you attending and have you paid nice. yeah. um, as far as I know you just need to say that you're attending at this point to get the mini okay um, but so there will be a painting competition for Pete in the event but also why not double that up with the paint some stuff Facebook group which outpost also um, has so what it is is it's a painting uh, group on Facebook. Once a month, paint something that you haven't painted before. So you give them a little photo and you pledge time yeah. and date stamp yeah. of yeah. Here's, my, here's my prime figure or whatever it is. Um, and then you commit to doing that. And at the end of the month, you there's a completed album. You submit that and they do a random draw and you get a $20 tactics voucher if you win. It's one entry per person. You can pledge whatever you want. You can right. pledge yep. can be as big as you want, as small as you want. Yeah, right. Just, just get involved. So, and if you can pledge it, you go into the draw. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, it's actually a good incentive to do that whenever you're working on a project. Yeah. Not necessarily to win the 20 bucks, but it kind of commits you to like, I'm going to get this done this month. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, just putting it out there that it's a great... Um, painting competition that runs every month um, and you don't need to be a member of Outpost to participate yeah. or enter or anything like that. It just needs to be a mini that hasn't been used before and it's brand new for that I month. Really, I really like that structure because it's not about, you know, it's not about grading, it's not about scoring, yeah. it's just yeah. making sure that you've got another motivation to do hobby. Because I know that my pile of shame keeps growing. I don't yeah. know how anybody gets a smaller pile of shame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this guy over here. And, <laughs> and yeah, I, I pledged in, in August as well. Okay. I, I, I did that one. Cool. And then uh, I got about halfway through the month. And I was not quite halfway through my project. And then I was just like, I really need to finish this because I have to start <laughs> everything yeah. else I've got on. Uh, yeah. And I found that it was a really good motivation for me as well. Nice. Mm. Okay, so maybe we should move on to what we've been doing around bolt action scene in, yeah. in the community, and that's this lead up to the end of Varsity. Yeah. So um, we've had a couple episodes talking about pre-Varsity, then Firefight itself, then Scramble, which was the Wings of Glory episode, and now we've done the final event, 
which is the big six-player game. Correct. This is the one that we've been working uh, towards the whole, <laughs> all of this lead-up time. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to know more about the the previous episodes and the, the event, sorry, the previous e- events, go check out the other episodes. We've sort of gone through it in detail. Mm-hmm. Just for a quick, brief, um, the campaign is multi multi game day, multi system. Uh, there's lots of consequences that the that the outcomes of all of the different matches and games that were played will be impacting this main event. This main event is a uh, six-player event. It's going to be played, or was played, sorry, on a uh, 12 by 4. Mm-hmm. So two 6 by 4s stacked lengthways. Uh, and it was just try to capture uh, what was Operation Varsity, or specifically um, Varsity and Plunder, which was the, the airborne invasion uh, coupled with an amphibious assault over the Rhine in about March 45. And so what, which is why Tyler's joining us here, because he was one of the, the Axis commanders. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was just there playing as, as game referee. So the, the thing that we did, um, we had a couple of special rules uh, specifically around sort of the bolt action mechanics. So mm-hmm. one of them, the key one was that we didn't do order dice at the, the value that most people would understand. Rather than being, you know, all of the three players on one side and all the three players on the other sides, each individual order dice going in the bag, it would have worked out to be, I think, something like 65 dice at the end yeah. of the day. Ugh. So instead, what we did was, uh, this was actually John's idea, if I remember correctly. Um, and we're going to be talking to him soon about some of the, the awesome stuff he's done in the, the local BAC. Yeah. It is this thing called company-level order dice, where what you do is the order dice in the bag for the allies is the uh, platoon that has the largest number of order dice mm-hmm. is what's in the bag. And so it became um, a little bit of a bookkeeping exercise to make sure that the number of dice in the bag were correct, which is why it was good to have a non-player there like me. Mm-hmm. I was just there to help sort of facilitate everything and keep going. The flip side of that is when the allies draw a dice, uh, each allied commander got you know, pull dice out of his own pool. And he could snap two within his own forces. And as long as there was more dice than he had left, he would still have sort of the same initiative as his teammates. Mm. And what that meant, it turned that 3v3, instead of being sort of a 1v1, v1, v1, etc., it ended up being a 3v3. And yeah. you got this sense of, you got that nice ebb and flow that you get with bolt action of, of some sides having initiative with multiple dice coming out. or, or And then you also uh, captured some sort of local initiative where mm. an officer might snap to and seize an opportunity with his men and he might move several units. And I think having that distinction was really cool. Didn't see too many snap twos. Mm, uh, yeah. I think we saw one or two in some really key moments, but by and large, it was it was pretty much just relying on this this company level so, system. So um, this board, just to, to reference it for people, um, it was essentially deployed as kind of three battles. So you had a, a river crossing that the allies were trying to come on from. Yep. You had some para drops happening in a forest in the middle. Yep. And then you had a town that was trying to be assaulted from uh, glider planes. Correct, yeah. yeah. And so the, um, the deployment zones were set up so uh, each player had roughly 48 inches. Um, the, the river crossing ended up being a little bit more constrained just because the river sort of snaked through that, that tile. And so the, the allied pl- player got a very skinny corridor to advance onto which makes sense if you're mm-hmm. if you're coming in as an invading force, mm. uh, and the the German defender was was not quite up against the bridge himself, not quite in the defenses, and that was uh, 
to represent the fact that the Germans didn't actually know exactly when an invasion was coming, just that it was. Yeah. The uh, and everybody else is basically deploying in either meeting engagement style or power dropping instead. And so we didn't use the the combat drop rules. We we sort of played with them a little bit. Um, I played with them a little bit just to sort of capture some of the things there. The other special rules that were in play was there was no bridge at the river. Um, mm -hmm. So the Allied commander could choose to take a squad of engineers, try to repair the bridge or amphibious vehicle. So we didn't care about it. You can still cross it. Um, we made it shallow, so you could still cross it without meeting sort of amphibious capability. Uh, the Germans were short on ammo. Mm -hmm. And so that meant that every time they fired either a team weapon, such as an LMG in a squad or a heavy weapon, there was a chance they got a pin uh, on themselves. And, uh, there was no drop zone secured for either the glider landing or the paratroopers. Right. And so the paratroopers were scattering and collecting pins like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. And the glider was landing through Rommel's asparagus and just basically uh, potentially applying pins to every unit that crawled out of the glider. So um, I think overall, from my perspective, um, everything worked how I had designed it to work, mm -hmm. which is a good thing in, in and of its own right. But that doesn't inherently mean that it was a good mission design in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think this sort of harkens back to what I was saying about my um, some of the practice games leading up to the Skulls event that we had in July. You know, I had this, uh, I played this one game where I had this awesome game plan and everything was working to the game plan and I still got absolutely destroyed. And it wasn't until turn five or six that I realized that, that that's what was happening. And it's a very similar uh, trap that you can fall into when you're designing one of these events. It's just because things are working how you expected them to work doesn't actually mean that what you had intended was a good, mm. fun thing to do in the first place. What I found was when we played the day is that the allied players had collected pins very rapidly in the first turn and yep. a large number of them across many units. And in bolt action, that can sort of make and break. But what, what it ended up happening was the paratrooper player had to spend the entire first turn just Rally. rallying yeah and it actually ended up being his second turn he had to rally because his first time was spent deploying mm. and that like you know and while you think about having a power drop with an unsecured drop zone uh into behind enemy lines in broad daylight that yeah. makes sense yeah. mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it was fun mm -hmm. uh and so and then the other thing that i found was uh and this is something really obvious i could have picked up reading the pack was that each special rule that ended up being applied pretty much had a different percentage chance of applying a pin. And yeah, it ended up okay. just being a case of next time I would do, if I would do this again, I would set all of those probabilities the same and either the rule is on or it's off. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think overall, my biggest takeaway from it as somebody sort of designing missions and putting these events together, the things that went really well was uh, we had players in the day, which is always yeah, a really yeah. good start. And to secure that, it was, I locked this thing like six months ago. Yeah. yeah this yeah, is the yeah. date. If you guys can't do it, let me know. But if we can hopefully pick a date that all six of our players would be there, mm -hmm. fantastic. Also lined up, uh, I think in the end, we had about four backup players. Yep. It wasn't intentional to get four. The initial people that we invited to play said, oh, I'm not sure, I can't commit. Yeah. Uh, and then there was, there was a few of us who were just really keen to see the event through that we were there and we had backup armies. Mm. That was really key. The other thing was I was checking in with with every player at least once a week. Mm -hmm. It ended up being somewhere like once a week to once a fortnight, and some weeks were busier than others, depending on whether we played an event recently or, or a new version of Players Pack came out. And so for me, um, all of that was was really was really good, really key to success. Um, 
And so that's something that I think if anybody wants to do one of these events where you've got a lot of special rules, mm -hmm. is just keep engaging and just keep chatting to the to the players. Something mm -hmm. that sounded really cool to me, and I'm 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 upset that I wasn't involved <laughs> because I was I was going to be a stand-in for yeah. either side. Is that you had these private chats going? You had the admin yeah. chat for yes, the access, the yeah. and and what was the what was the allied one called? Uh, I was actually joined it like sort of right at the last yeah. minute. Okay. I wasn't in the Enigma chat, okay, uh, yeah. either. And so I actually really that liked was that as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't doubt it, and and I actually would have would have recused myself as early as possible, mm -hmm. just because I don't want there to be any any uh, implicit or explicit bias yeah. that, yeah. that might have ended up. And because I was the one who was basically summing all of the, the outcomes at that point and figuring which rules were in play, that's obviously got some implicit bias. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you're never going to be able to avoid that as a mm -hmm. human being making these decisions, but I had sort of mathematical checks. So yeah. it wasn't me deciding whether the rules were in play. It was, if we had this many victories in a firefight day, then this yeah, would be yeah. in play. They weren't but, arbitrary decisions. Correct, correct. So mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, but yeah, how, how I've heard so many things about this Enigma chat. <laughs> oh, so I remember you were like, because I, I think I asked you at one point, I'm like, do the allies have this chat? And you're like, yeah, but I don't think it's very active. Yeah. We were like, every second day, I was like, all right, boys, what are we doing today? Like, what's going on? Because uh, as soon as we found out who we were with, we, we made this second chat and we named it the Enigma chat, obviously, because of yeah, the Enigma, Enigma code. Yeah. Um, and yet from day dot, especially um, one so, of the guys in there was like, you know what we should do? A little <laughs> bit of propaganda. <laughs> so, because um, we didn't know each other's lists, obviously. Um, the, yeah. I think the idea was we turn up on the day, we find out what we're versing. Um, yeah, so the Axis players could talk about their lists within themselves. The Allies yeah. players could talk about their lists within themselves. But I had made a very, I made it very clear to ask both sides to keep their lists hidden from each other. Mm. Because yeah. one of the outcomes of the Firefight mission was that I would uh, distribute a... Um, his like uh, an inspired sorry an interpreted uh sort of briefing some or recon re yeah, re yeah, thing, yeah, yeah a recon yeah, report yeah, of yeah. of the the opposing forces yeah. and so the allies managed to secure that advantage and i did that after everybody's list had been submitted yeah so the, the the thing was i didn't want the allied players to have that opportunity to go oh i you know armored force uh mechanized infantry i know i can rejig my list to deal with yeah, it yeah. But they had the opportunity to change deployments on us. Yeah, and choose yeah. who might deploy yeah. where. And, yeah. yeah, we actually like we specified that with you quite early of like, yeah. oh, they've got their lists locked in right before this yeah. happens. Yeah. So because then for the like the next couple months we were just. And luckily, one of the guys had like a lot of tigers and panthers. So he was like, "Yeah, I'm taking like six tigers. Like that's my entire list." And like we just kept chucking out all these false rumors about how we were building things. And it wasn't just in the like in the varsity chat. We were chucking them up on Discord and yeah. stuff, like hoping yeah. that they'd be like, "Oh yeah, pulling all this information yeah. in, thinking they're pulling our lists together." It's so, very interesting because that happened. Um, just in the lead up to the last skulls. Oh, yes. So um, <laughs> I did a I did a community vote on what list I was gonna take, which is what I took, but right. Nathan at the same time um, put out like an armored platoon that he was gonna take and I saw it just as after I committed, I'm like, I've got no chance. <laughs> this is just gonna completely destroy and it was not the list he took. He took a completely yeah, different yeah. nation, he just fooled everybody. <laughs> It was yeah, just yeah, a yeah. night before, like, yeah. oh, here's what I'm taking. Because, you know, people oh, get like, exciting to think, show what they're painted. I think it stuff. was like a week before. It was actually yeah. before a list yeah. submission had closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it might have been just as it closed. And 
Yeah, it was Dan was like, that was a nightmare. <laughs> <Just had laughs> so many plays, like, can I change my list? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we had, for, for Varsity, we set up sort of, well, I set up the one chat, which was all the players plus me, and I think we had some of the backup players in there. And that was just an admin chat, like, yeah, yeah, just yeah. to keep the flow going. Players pack have been updated. Yeah. How's everybody looking? And then, yeah, you guys set up your Enigma chat. Yeah. The Allied Commander set up their Allied chat. And, and yeah, it was just... I think it was the one thing that I was really humbled to see was uh, a couple of the players actually, you know, they didn't tell me that they were doing this, but on their days, like, oh, by the way, like, I painted this whole horse specifically for yeah. this event. Yeah. And that was really cool. I was really humbled to see that. Um, we had a paratrooper force that did that. And, and I think Brad said he finished a few of his, he finished a few units that the Germans up to bring him bring him onto the table that day, and that was that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. That, and I was I was like I said I was humbled. I was really happy to see that that people were were so keen for this event that they were collecting and, and putting these lists together. And and you know I didn't expect it. I I actually specifically had a chat with a few of the players. I was like, look, don't don't worry about having like a perfect list. I'm not going to care about proxies. I'm not asking yeah, you to go yeah. and buy stuff. I don't care if they're painted. I just like it was purely just come today and and have a good time i took that thing to heart i think <laughs> i borrowed about three different armies and i, I like because i originally wanted to have my waffam painted yeah. for it yeah. but i was still working on color and everything yeah. so i had like a squad kind of half painted yeah um and they did work oh boys, <laughs> when we get there when we get there <laughs> yeah yeah um did, did you want to talk yeah, about yeah, that? yeah. Oh, yeah. all right yeah. well um, i'm just curious about one thing did this event kind of solidify how your list is going to look moving forward for the the Germans yeah, in yeah. so because they're like the Waffen, the Waffen SS, they're the best armed, they're the most fanatical kind of troops and everything. I really wanted that core aspect of having like veterans. Um, uh, but also because the one the other guys were taking like mechanized and motor uh, motorized divisions, yeah, uh, yeah. armored divisions rather, yeah. uh, they were like, hey, you're going to have to be the one, and this is getting into the tactics of it, yeah. Yeah. you're going to have to be the one that brings all the dice. Yeah, uh, all the so, order yeah, dice. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we match the other team and stuff like that. Uh, which was actually rather thematic because, you know, last stitch of the Germans, you've got just everyone piled together mm -hmm. trying to defend. And, the... and also you were supposed to, you were... The town was being defended by the regimental headquarters, which has a lot of additional bodies that might not necessarily be frontline combat yeah. troops, yeah. which is what your list ended up being. Well, yeah, I actually <laughs> I didn't know this was an option until I found it just like randomly. But there's a fifth columnist, yeah, you know, which is literally just two guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, yep, extra dice. Let's do this. <laughs> I was just filling up this list with the inexperienced and uh, like regulars, and it's because I wanted that veteran core. Yeah. So yeah. I had a squad of veteran fanatical full AR. Yep. Um, uh, Waffen SS squad, which were my only squad of Waffen that I yeah, okay. managed to paint up. Yeah, and boy, did they do work. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I set up in the town, I had to defend like these different buildings and everything. And um, I was like, yeah, just fill the town with bodies. Oh, actually, I just remembered. Um, so like we were told we'd have four, like the 48 inches yeah, on one yeah, side. Yeah. And looking at my deployment, because you sent us this real cool map that you drawn up beforehand because yeah. we didn't yeah. actually see the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it worked for us like we didn't see the table yeah. until yeah. we were there but it was cool to kind of get an idea of what we were going up against and we were looking at it and it's like there's a there's a road there there's yeah. a road yeah. that leads from your deployment and the, one of the key buildings is on the other right. side of town yeah. and i think your initial idea was both sides will get there roughly the same time and fight it out for those buildings yeah yeah so it they were um 
basically, if the glider rolled really well in his landing and went all the way, he would be um, under 12 inches away from an entry to the key sort of church in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the flip side of that was you had the road, but you were 18 inches away from the entry in your side of town. Yeah. And so that was my idea of balance. And mm-hmm. so I had, I had expected, uh, again, this is a design thing, I'd expected that you'd have a lot of infantry defending the town because the vehicles yeah. are no good, you've got to yeah. be capturing buildings. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to have that decision where, you know, you for basically forcing if you want to get in the building, you got to take some mobility yeah. or or you got to bring some HE to take the buildings down, yeah. which yeah. is actually what the, the glider platoon oh, did. Man. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, in that deployment, like yeah. I kind of skirted that a little bit and got my cake and got to eat it too. Yeah. Yeah. In that I took bikes. Which no one had accounted for. <laughs> so I had these bicycle units, like 10 here, here uh, infantry, just like riding their little hearts out <laughs> to the other side of town, going up this road, just planting them in the building. And they stuck there in the yeah. church for the entire game. But yes, they were shelled constantly. <laughs> by, what, what was it? It was a 17 pounder. Yeah, it was yeah. a 17 I mean, pounder. He literally couldn't hit the broadside of a church. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't believe that thing was still standing. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And there was, he also dropped artillery in town and he ended okay. up like leveling an empty building yeah. that, that didn't have an objective yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even manage to kill any of the guys inside. Like, yeah, they all got out fine. Yeah. Like, it was okay. really, it, yeah. he, he had his <laughs> he dice. Did, yeah. His dice yeah. were against him because then there was also the charge. So yeah, he had yeah. his. Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> so his force was full oh, British no. paratroopers, like veteran everything, yeah. SMGs, yeah, SMGs, like coming out of the yeah. wazoo. They were ready to take, yeah. like, take the town, take the regulars in the room? Green. Oh no. (laughs) And they stayed inexperienced for the game. So I had these inexperienced heres who had ridden in on bicycles. (laughs) We had these guys coming up gliders and like they were like running across. He had a full squad of ten just like charged across like an open field. Yeah. 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 From from a glider over the asparagus, just like tally ho jets into the building. (laughs) It was awesome. Like watching these guys just sprint across the field. And I'm sitting here and I've only ever played, like, honest truth here, about three or four games of bolt action. Yeah. And so I've never really experienced, like, tough fighter veteran against inexperience. Oh, the the impact. The impact. And um, so he's like, yeah, I charge into the building. And everyone around me is like, oh. <laughs> it was like, good luck, Tyler. It was I nice was, knowing you. I was like, I don't understand. Like, I, I yeah, don't get yeah, it. Yeah. And then I still didn't get it. <laughs> because his dice was so terrible. So I'm just rolling like my handfuls of dice. And I'm a guard player, so I know how to roll good dice. <laughs> so I'm just like, woo, yeah, woo. I got, I, hey, look, I killed like maybe five of your guys. The, yeah. They're veteran? Oh, that's crazy. I, and he's like, that shouldn't have happened. That shouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think well, he killed one. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's got five guys because he's fighting yeah, yeah. across cover. And so he rolls his dice and he kills one guy. I've made all my uh, saves <laughs> for my um, for my inexperienced squads against his veteran tough fighters. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool, I won that. Like, <laughs> they're all dead now. And everyone around me has just gone mental. <laughs> like, oh my God, how did that fail? And I'm like, the way yeah, you're explaining kinda... this... There is a very famous video on YouTube out there. It's it's some war movie from like the nineties or something, and it's this this German garrison that's shooting this one 
drunk Soviet guy, and he's kind of dancing around, <laughs> and he's got he's got the PPSH, and like he's just he's swig, swigging from his vodka, and like just goes like this, and like you know the burst fire like takes like, like twenty guys, and like you know they're trying to you know run away and all this kind of stuff. And but the just, opposite, it's just yeah. it's, it's just like a drunk old men and kids <laughs> in a church, just yeah. like bolt action firing. Oh, it was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, but with the list burning as well, I didn't take any LMGs. Yeah, so okay. it was literally just rifles firing the entire time because of that pin and i'm like i get a pin on my inexperienced guys i am screwed yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen um so yeah that was the probably the biggest defining moment that i didn't realize until after the game yeah. um but the like the best moment for me as a player was when i uh like dan who was the paratrooper commander Correct. his forces had kind of some of them had swayed onto my side and kind of okay. consolidated a little bit and um so i was like how close are those guys to my deployment? And we, we kind of looked at it and Dan, who's amazing with trigonometry, was like, it's probably about six inches. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. <laughs> it was he was a really good uh, kind of opponent. Like, yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great to play yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. Good sport. Um, but yeah, so Shane I just... Shane used to all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I bet he'd be awesome to play against in like skulls or something. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, so I just got my Waffen AR toting fanatic veterans just planted 10 of them right next to one of his just regular squads. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a fire at that. <laughs> <laughs> so he had 20 shots coming at him and oh, I just wow. wiped them out. And I was like, um, and we kind of had a chat about it as the game went on because we we're kind of yeah. friendly and everything. Um, about just sitting there and just having that squad there because yeah. I did that. And he had an LMG there. Yeah, he yeah. had like another squad all sitting like around there. And a sniper team as and well. And a sniper team as well. Um, and I'm like... I might lose that squad. Like they yeah, just, yeah. I've, I've, um, I've taken pressure off Brad because yeah. he's now going to have to commit things here. But I'm probably going to lose these guys. Yeah. And I was like, "That's fine." New model syndrome. I'll, just <laughs> blood, I'll blood my pink boys yeah. and girls, um, and move on. Move on. Yeah, it's whatever. They stayed there the entire game. Yeah. I think well, they lost three guys, yeah, and that was yeah. from uh, medium machine gun, light machine guns, rifles, and a sniper team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a bloodbath for the Allies. So when I got there, I was absolutely terrified for Nick. So, so oh me, God, yeah. Nick, Nick. He was a German bridgehead defender. Yeah. yeah, so defending that river section, and I know that Wayne has taken a full armored platoon that includes a Pershing. Yeah. A Pershing, a Sherman, a Chaffee. Yeah, and I think might have been might have been two chappies. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think it was. And all the only anti-tank options Nick had is got Panzer threes. I'm like, yeah, but Panzer threes light tanks, man. Like, <laughs> you need, you and need I actually really really liked that because that was like one of the big things about Varsities is that they didn't have like dedicated. Yeah, we're not yeah, talking yeah. Panzer fours, Panthers, like Tigers. I mean, they had a couple, yeah. but they yeah. were. Um, you know they were diamonds mm. at that point in the war and, and that particular conflict yeah, yeah and there was like all of your panzer training at that point is done in panzer threes and he like painted them up like oh it's like a little <laughs> you know they're out little panzer training exercise and it's like is that a pershing <laughs> <laughs> so um you know nick had the p3s which are a solid tank yeah 150 points um decent gun and you know twin mg and all that kind of stuff i typically use them for the anti-infantry role yeah yeah um and then he had a, a flak on the back of like a truck. Bearing, you know, a truck yeah and then a nebel 
And Brad wasn't too far deployed away from him, but again, I saw a lot of HE stuff. I think he had a Wesp or no, uh, I don't think he had a Wesp. He had a he had an armored car. It was uh, it wasn't a Boomer. It was like the open top one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a super heavy AT or something. And he had a I think it was a medium or a large howitzer. Yeah, that was Brad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 and as I was seeing him deploy. He he was leaving Nick to be. It's Leave like it I don't drive. I don't yeah. I don't care. I got to deal with with Dan, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and I was like, guys, like help Nick, like, <laughs> Jesus, this is not gonna work out. And then Nick is just and just how he's deploying, like he's just like front and center. Oh yeah, next tank there, next tank there. He I'm was like, whoa, like, whoa, not, not even in spear tip or anything, just line of tank. Yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm like. There's a bunker you could hide behind <laughs> it. Nah, nah, don't worry about no, that. It'll get in the way of my shots with my and pads then, of face. And then just first actions, he's like ambush. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like Jesus, don't you want to just like hide behind something, get a get a side shot on no. this Pershing or something? And so I, I, it turns I, out that Nick didn't bring three Panzer threes. He bought can openers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I felt really bad for Wayne. Uh, like oh a lot gosh. of it was was good luck, good yeah, dice on Nick's yeah. side and bad dice on Wayne's side. That yeah. was, I think, really the the massive <laughs> swing of it. Because the Pershing didn't go down until the end. He was just bouncing rounds off him all the time. But yeah, um, that I, first turn of him moving yeah. up, I think the Sherman got destroyed. It got uh, immobilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, so it was a uh, really bad um, luck for Wayne. Mm. But like, I was like. Nick, I don't know if you should have come through with this. <laughs> How did you find uh, the claustrophobia of the board? Because they're having... Oh. So typically with a 6x4, you'd only expect 1 on 1. And if you're talking a 12x4, you'd expect a 2 on 2. Mm-hmm. And so with the 3 on 3, you ended up, um, loosely speaking, with about a 4x4 four four play, sp- play space. And each player was bringing 1,000 points. Yeah. So it was... Yeah, the claustrophobia... I mean... Dan was on on my deployment zone, like yeah. like we talked about before. But I think um, it was all right for me because the glider didn't come in too close. Yeah. And he had spent a lot of the points on that artillery piece yeah, that the did nothing. Yeah, the seventeen And so then it was more about him trying to maneuver guys around my arcs of fire yeah. and stuff like that. So I feel like I had quite a bit of room. Yeah. Brad, on the other hand, was stuck in a forest between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that's kind of where half the paratroopers went. Yeah. They were yeah. just um, lining up against um, some the trees. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with the trees and just raking into the forest of Brad's troops. And Brad did a great job. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he took on all comers. Was, yeah, um, yeah. Was, he, had, he had the British paratroopers uh, gliding yeah, infantry yeah. squeezing over one, one side and the US coming in from yeah. the top. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like pressed up against uh, yeah. the German armored platoon. Yeah. And he's just like, well, I guess this is my lot in life. Yeah. I'll just hold on to this point. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. It was like, we kind of helped each other out because he distracted the paras, I yeah. distracted the American uh, paras. But yeah, it was at once, oh yeah, once the um, veteran uh, British paras got into the town, that's when it felt claustrophobic for oh, me because yeah. I was still yeah. dealing with this little section that was firing my Wafam for the yeah. entire game. Um, and they started to hit my howitzer and mortar yeah. with uh, two snipers, one yeah, from yeah. the British and one from the US. Um, but yeah, once they got into the town, oh my 
my guys got torn up because yeah, it's yeah. veteran tough fighters. I wasn't fighting over cover. Yeah. So I've yeah. got these inexperienced like squads and I didn't take full squads because I wanted all the dice. Of course. Yeah. So I had like five here infantry <laughs> up <laughs> oh, against man. 10 veteran paratroopers. And that's when, like, once we got into the city, it started to feel a bit more hand-to-hand -hand kind of combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when, but yeah, the oh, looking at the board, it definitely felt claustrophobic. But mm -hmm. as a player, I think just thanks to, like, Brad and, like, our kind of teamwork yeah. uh, kind of really helped ease the pressure for us. Um, but yeah, oh, it was so funny with, with, like, the Pershing and everything. Like, because I'm fighting yeah. here, I'm focused all my attention on here, I'm coming yeah. here. Yeah. I didn't even really pay attention to Brad. Look over at the other end of the board. Oh, they're all gone. <laughs> I, I see like these flames coming out of these Shermans and stuff. I'm like, wow, like everything. So yeah. what what I um what I would have loved to seen is is the armored commander go on a thunder run. Yeah. Because there was a road that yeah. ran the length of the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Intentionally. So there was a couple of pivots around the center. Uh, again, just to make sure you can couldn't run through it and to have like a little bit of a death valley. Mm. But the the whole like what I would have thought the the armored platoon guy was going for was just it, yeah. it's this concept of thunder run. You yeah. load up in the convoy, you set a speed, and you just forget that your brakes exist, and you just fire and roll. Yeah. And, you, and I was expecting him to just roll on through, uh, so he could bring armored support to to the rest of the Allied players. Yeah. Um, but he uh, Wayne's game plan there was to take out the German armor so they couldn't then pivot onto yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, and. And that I remember talking to Nick before, and he's like, "Yeah, my game plan is I'm just gonna, like, it's gonna be effortless for me. I'm just gonna destroy the Allied armor and then like swing in." <laughs> and I and I'm sitting there, and this is this is after this is after I'd seen the list submission, and I'm sitting there like, "You're not punching to a Sherman in the Pershing." <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, the dice decided to side with Nick on that. Yeah, dice. So yeah. so just to be clear, objective wise. Um, yeah. So you're talking about Wayne being on the other side, rolling right in. So it's the church that's important. So there was, um, there was roughly th like one objective for each pair of players. Yep. So the uh, or one objective space. Mm. So the one at the bridgehead is there's a checkpoint on both sides of the river that are worth equal points. And so the idea was they couldn't just sit there and ping rounds at each other because they weren't going to get anywhere, uh, victory point wise. The one um, and that I think they were worth one or two each ticking up. So yep. every turn. Then there was um, the space in the middle had the forest clearing where the road ran through was like an artillery zone. If you had more units in it, more models in it than sorry, more units in it than your opponent, you earned a couple of BP. However, if you for every unit that was capable of indirect fire, so howitzers, naval warfers, um, indirect firing, self-propelled guns, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, they were worth one additional victory point regardless if you actually controlled the zone, and they had bonuses to hit on specific areas of the board because mm -hmm. this is this represents um a forest where the germans were trying to set up an artillery position and the paratrooper and a paratrooper division i think it was the 82nd was actually assigned to clear out the artillery position so right. that was that representation and then the town had most uh had the most objective points you had uh four buildings throughout the town plus a church in the middle the church was worth a couple of points every turn and it was also worth three points to the first person who captured it so it could only be captured once again ding, ding. and so what i was <laughs> what i was trying to encourage was that how roughly the points ended up working was if the allies won the bridge and the forest they would have a close victory mm -hmm. and if the germans like dominated the town but basically the idea was that if you wanted to win you had to control the town which was mm -hmm. what the whole point was the 
the bridgehead is is obviously important for an amphibious crossing naturally but the town just like bastone yeah. was in the ardennes forest represents sort of the crossroads this is when all of your different bridgeheads can meet up this is a mustering point and so i made that you either had to win if you won the town and any of the one other battlefields like you won clearly yeah uh and that was what i was trying to go for and so i was really uh, and I did make that explicit in the player's pack as well. Mm -hmm. And so what I was expecting to see was to see just a general um, gradual push from all players from the river into the town. And that more or less happened, mm -hmm. uh, except everybody kept stopping each other from moving moving down the board, mm -hmm. which, again, is was interesting for me to see. I had, I had these intermixed and claustrophobic deployment zones because I wanted people to go, oh... That's not my AO, but oh, that is a good opportunity yeah, for me to take. Yeah, and yeah. so to see a few of those happening, like with your Wafem, yeah, and, yeah. and see Brad take some of those opportunistic shots as well, was was good. Mm. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it was so fun. Like, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glad like, to hear. Like the one thing, because I felt so bad at the end because yeah, I had yeah. held most of the town. Yeah, yeah. And it would have maybe been a different story if he'd gotten those veterans in. But even then, we were, like I'd held that for like two or yeah, three turns. Yeah. So like maybe even turning down the victory points to the church or something yeah so there's a there was a looking back at it the other thing is probably just neutralizing the victory points just making mm -hmm. it even and just that ends up being just a case of majority rules mm -hmm. the other um the first uh, i guess the big thing for me is like you got a play test and yeah it was i didn't uh, i'm gonna commit a sin and admit to it. It was like, I didn't actually play test the event because yeah. I didn't feel like playing six players <laughs> yes, yes. and doing it. It was a lot of effort to get it all set up and I was worried about all the other lead-ups. I said, I don't care if it's perfect, I care about doing this event. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's probably really good advice for anybody out there is don't don't be disheartened if it's not perfect mm. um, and don't don't chase perfection uh, and lose, lose sight of completion. Mm. always make sure that you finish whatever project you're starting if it's not perfect just start another project <laughs> yeah we've all got enough piles yeah. of shame to support <laughs> yeah. that we've all yeah. got enough mission ideas to support it just try it and that's not to say you can't go back and redo the same event mm -hmm. uh, and we actually had a lot of interest outside of rsg about varsity mm. um, and so i will actually be tidying up the players pack making it a bit more explicit and then i'll be i'll be publishing yeah. people access to it so if they want to come down and play it they're welcome to if they want to try it at their own clubs they can as yeah, well that's cool. yeah. but i think i think it's definitely one of the things that i agree with you there is is probably neutralizing the victory points and and making sort of those probability of pins as, uh, special rules it the same might be a nice idea to relaunch it at outposts or something like yeah, that to yeah. get a completely different Absolutely. player base and, and and see how it would work out yeah well, i guess we'll have a chat yeah. to the outpost guys yeah, <laughs> if, if you're listening let us yeah. know <laughs> yeah so thanks for talking to us about varsity but we've got another event coming up for bolt action in perth and uh that is skulls uh which is going to be hosted by uh outpost 6030 uh end of november uh 12 50 point lists with 12 order dice what are you guys happening to bring to this event so twelve fifty at uh, twelve order dice for me was uh, was actually a little bit more challenging than I expected. Uh, so I brought a twelve order dice list to the previous one in Scots, and that was only right. a thousand points. That was a nice, um, nice sort of balancing act of how big do I want my squads and transports, my tank and stuff like that. Looking at this list, um, I'm actually I got to about sort of short of buying a vehicle in the mm -hmm. list. I got to about eight to 900 points and I, I got what I liked in there. I got 
my four uh, veteran squads uh, at eight men. One of them's an engineer squad with flamethrower, mm. uh, sniper team, the howitzer. I got my transports in there and all of the other little bits and pieces that I like. And then I sort of went, well, I don't really have any dedicated AT. Last time I took a Chaffee as my tank. Mm -hmm. Chaffee's a great, uh, it's probably one of the best bang for buck US vehicles on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's, I think it's a, it's a light tank, but it's got recce, uh, medium AT gun, you got the gyro stabilizer to take it as veteran, and it's sub 200 points at veteran. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's an absolute steal. It's got riveted construction, so if it yeah. gets hit, it's not great. But with with all of those other tools, if your chappie's getting hit, you've either gambled and lost, or you're not you're not sort of like playing to the point of recce. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, it's an oversimplification, uh, but that's that's the sort of general gist of it. With vehicles like yeah. that, you want to keep them hitting. You want to keep mobile. And so I'm looking at my tank list, and I actually think I'm going to take something a little bit heavier with a bit more punch. Right. The reason is because I looked at my list from a competitive perspective, and I think it's it's got all of the tools that I want in my toolkit, and I've only got one auto dice left. Right? Yeah, okay. 11 dice, I'm at eight 900 points. i got to take something big. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I was thinking about all the things that I would take, and I was like, well... I'm an American player, you know, what am I going to take? A Pershing, maybe? Am I going to take, like, a, a Sherman 76 or whatever? And then I was like, hang on. The German players are going to be in the exact same boat. Yes. They're going to hit, even with veterans, they're going to hit eight, 900 points at 10 or 11 dice. And they're going to go, I could take a Tiger. I could take mm -hmm. a Panther. Mm -hmm. I could squeeze that in. And so that's, again, I'm not massively concerned about... A super heavy or a heavy or super heavy tank on the field uh, but I expect it's going to be a reality mm -hmm. and even if I take a medium AT it's like yeah I can throw some pins at it but if I want to throw some pins at it with like multiple pins I got to take a heavy howitzer yeah and that was just a little bit too much point cost for what I was getting and if I'm taking a heavy howitzer I don't really want to be slinging it at a heavy vehicle anyway <laughs> and so I'll probably take um, yeah I'll probably take a 76 or or something that's got a heavy AT gun, just because I would like, I don't think it's going to make or break a game, Yeah. but I don't want my player to be blasé about the movement, or my opponent to be blasé about the movements of his armor, mm. even if it's a heavy or a super heavy tank. I want him to go, oh, you've got a heavy AT gun. Well, I don't really want to know if I want to expose myself to that. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not, you know, we talked about this a lot, players in bolt actions, particularly new ones, really get this tunnel vision on armor, armor. Mm. but it's one or two auto dice at most compared to the rest of it you can't do objectives and all most of the time and all the other mm -hmm. sorts of stuff it's like mm -hmm. no it's a it's a tool just like any other one used correctly fantastic used incorrectly useless mm. and so but i don't want uh what i want to do again is just force my opponent to be in that position where they have to make multiple decisions or multifactorial decisions and i don't want to give them easy decisions because you don't capitalize on your opponent playing well. You capitalize on your opponent's mistakes. Yeah. And obviously, there's there's many aspects to that. Identifying the mistakes, identifying multiple ways of, of capitalizing on them, choosing how to capitalize on and the execution to plan. The one part that a lot of people overlook is getting your opponent to make those mistakes in the first place. And that has got much more to do with game familiarity, uh, not making mistakes in the first place, of course. But then mm -hmm. you can leverage your opponent to make mistakes by forcing them to make lots of decisions and making yep. difficult decisions. And so that's that's really the core of it. Um, 
you know, I'm not, I don't really see MMGs being that useful, so I probably won't be taking any of them. Won't be taking LMGs because I'd want to be moving and firing with my US. Uh, and I'll probably be taking uh, just a cheap transport for that mm. one mission we can do the outflanking. Yeah. <laughs> just because yeah. I, I really like that, that little maneuver. So we're talking about, I completely forgot the event name, but it's called Partisan Party. Right. Um, okay. And there's a little bit of flavor in the partisan fact. Early on, we brought up about Partisan Pete, that you'd be painting this partisan figure that would yeah. be a part of your yeah. force. Um, there's a number of side missions included in this pack, which is similar to on the side that mm -hmm. we had these uh, additional things that you could score points over just as important as completing the actual mission that you're playing yeah. um, when it comes to scoring. Uh, so there's going to be points in time where you might have to change your game plan to deviate to the side missions or the mission itself to get to the number that you want because winning the scenario on those conditions doesn't mean that you got enough points to push you through on the next round. Correct. Um, but so the, the tournament win, I think, is two victory points or greater than your opponent. Yeah. So if you're, I think, if, if I don't have the player fact in front of you, if you're within two uh, victory points, it's a draw. If you're three, it's a win. Or, or it might yeah. be if you're within one, it's a draw. But the, yeah, and so that's where those sort of side objectives really come in. If you're able to not just complete the mission, but also complete all the side objectives and prevent your opponent from them, then you'll have a massive sort of tournament mm. ladder victory. So the theme for this is all around escorting Pete. Yeah. Um, so he will be able to join various squads for the specific purpose of scoring objectives, these uh, side yeah. objectives. As he far as I understand it, he can only join one squad per game. And he can't... Yeah. And he's just attached at the beginning yeah. if you choose a squad. Um, yeah. So he... For, for all intents and purposes, he is just attached in an escorting role. He's, he's just he's not able yeah. to, to commit to combat actions or, or help with rallies or, or anything else that you would mm. normally um, see. Um, we go into a bit of a deep dive with Justin. Uh, I, we just recorded about an hour-long episode all about this event. Uh, it goes into all the decision-making for creating the side missions and, and how that came to awesome. be. Um, That's really cool. In relation to lists, for me, I'm trying something new, and that's just trying allies. Okay. Just, just played Germans for the last two years or so. <laughs> um, painted up an Ardennes force, so may as well try and use it. As for the... Uh, I'll probably have very similar elements to Gorchen in the list, uh, except the armor. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty much... Haven't play tested it at all, but I, I, I think the Hellcat is at a yeah. nice points level, so it has a heavy gun and it has the armor recce. It's so, just <laughs> yeah, it's just open topped. It's just open topped, which is yeah. a bit of bit of a trouble. It's but um, <laughs> it comes at a really nice points level. It's it's sub one eighty points. It's it's something around one seventy or something like that. Yeah. So it's it's at a really affordable price for a heavy gun that can just go recce around things so yeah. i want to see how that plays um but other than that it's just going to be veterans um lots of veteran squads I, I, i've grown to like at least 12 man units yeah okay um i like my really heavy squads of, of troops so i'm going to try and put in as many of them as i can um and then just double down with he and, and hope for the best um and you'll be playing your warfam i will yeah Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you'll be playing them, they just might not all be painted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's fun. Yeah, you're like, 
oh, this German player's probably taken like a panther or a tiger. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> yes, I will be bringing a pink panther. Um, Yay. <laughs> yeah, in case you can't tell, my list is thematic. Like, yes. that is what I'm aiming for. I'm not there for a top three yeah, finish yeah. or whatever. I'm there to get some actual, like, proper, like, strong games of bolt under my belt. Because like I said, yeah. I haven't played since Varsity, <laughs> yeah. and I've only played four games before Varsity. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually quite new when it comes to playing Bolt, although I've been around you guys for yeah. the past year, yeah. year and a half or whatever now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've seen a lot of Bolt, yes. and I understand theoretically, which is why I'm listening to you guys. I'm like, yeah, nice game. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the guy at home that's like just getting into Bolt yeah, and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm still learning, so yeah. listening to you guys, yeah. you're like, Subway, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Right. <laughs> yeah, don't focus on just the tank. It's just yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I'm just picking all this stuff up. Um. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm. I just was like, oh, I just want to do something that's fun for me. Yeah. But yeah, also absolutely. pushes me to paint these guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've got my list will be yeah, Pink Panther, uh, <laughs> Captain K from uh, Joji, yeah. Joji, uh, Jojo, Jojo. Jojo. Yep. Um, and then two squads of Fanatic. Assault rifle toting yeah. um Waffen Yeah. And then I've got the two squads of um what are they called again? She Wolves? Yes. Oh yeah, perfect. So I will be bringing a dog. Um, <laughs> so I'm like I know I'll be going up against like comp- competitive players and stuff. So I'm just gonna bring a spare guy, but I'm gonna be like, hey, do you guys mind this dog just being a rifleman? Like, yes, do, do it. Because <laughs> it's just like without that, it's only four, and you know, just having yeah. a small squad and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So I'm hoping people are okay with it. Like, if people are like, oh, height, I'm just like, oh, we'll swap the figures around if that's yeah. So the, uh, for what it's worth. Uh, in the bo- in the rule book, it says all figures count as standing. Yeah. Um, for all purposes of line of sight, mm. etc. So yeah, yeah. as long as like you've got, if it if it comes down to line of sight issue, as long as you've got yeah. another model, even if you could just move one of the other yeah, models into its place. Yeah. yeah. I think the, um, e- even the while you said sort of you're going to be up against competitive players, I actually don't think the Perth scene is that hardcore competitive. Yeah. There are a couple of groups, um, around in Perth mm-hmm. who are fantastic players and they're very competitive but i would say that even skulls in in july there was a i would say it was probably about half yeah of the player base was not there to uh, you know win at all costs mm. and and to get across the finishing line who bought six tanks <laughs> uh was that mike Oh, yes, Mike, yeah. and he yeah. had every variant of, of the Panzer mm. from one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't he didn't win the tournament, but he won all of Mate. his games. <laughs> he had fun. Yeah. Um, and I think you're gonna have the most flamboyant uh, that's it army on display. I, yeah. And that's something to be proud of. But Absolutely. you know, you should be going there to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, th- there there are gonna be some positives with what you've taken. People are going to be afraid of that panther. Even <laughs> if it's painted in bright pink camo, Excellent. and it might be a war tunes panther. <laughs> yeah. um, it They're is... going to be at least psychologically. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be off kilter. That's my Hellcat sure. will probably wreck you rather than try and shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, which, it's... which is a, which is a um, you know a strategy in itself. Yeah, so yeah. Um, 
yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Just chucking some yeah. Panzer Faust into your squads as uh, well, man. Yeah, every yeah. everything has Panzer Faust. <laughs> like the max. Sure gone easy army. How many Panzer Faust? <laughs> I think it's like four yeah, per yeah. squad or something. No, it's, um, yeah, um, it's funny that we're talking about camo before, especially razzle dazzle kind of yeah. yeah. warship. Because I actually went in and talked to some guys um, at Games Workshop. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> I said I said it bad. No, um, <laughs> so I talked to them about camo because yeah. obviously they have a more flamboyant cal- color range. Than the, the, the colors, the colors are very saturated. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I went and talked to them, and this guy like he's like, oh yeah, it'd be so cool to have like a, a historical forces pink. And so he actually pulled up some pink camos because that's yeah. what I wanted to do yeah. with my Waffen, Waffen. Yeah. Um, and he was telling me about pink camo and how it was actually the best for warships. But they couldn't get their troops to go on the ships because they were too, like you know, too flamboyant. And yeah, like, yeah. Everyone was like, "I'm not getting on that. I'm not getting on that." Not in the navy, so, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that was uh, a really funny. Oh, that point. is that is that is a funny yeah. point. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at painting kind of camo, kind of cool stuff on the um, panther, but I don't think I'll bring the war tunes just because oh, I don't want on. to. If you're if you're on my table. Swap it out. Oh, I'll bring it just yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm forcing you to paint two tanks. It's gonna happen. I need all the practice I can get. Like it's gonna be. I'm really, really scared to paint up um, Cap- Captain K because I want to do that model justice. Yeah. It's a limited run from a great movie, great character kind of thing. I just want to make sure it's done right. Speaking like, of Captain K, um, the Juggernaut podcast. If you have a look at their Facebook, every person in that crew has a Captain K model. No way. And they've done a little painting competition oh, together. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so there, there's a photo and there's like 20 Captain Ks and it's and it's, <laughs> and it's everyone and they've, they've gone all out. Yeah. Like, like there's Fantastic. some really high quality paintings in there. So yeah, yeah. check it out. You mm. might get some ideas. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the Partisan Pete as well. Yeah. 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 I'm going to yeah. do some pretty pretty cool stuff. I, I went very boring and you know me, I'm always after primary source material. Yeah. I got the uh, Osprey publication for Tito's Partisans and I was <laughs> looking through there because yeah. he's, he's actually wearing quite similar uniforms yeah, yeah. once they got uniformed uh yeah and there's and there's some great like color combinations in there like yeah. like your blue dress trousers with this brown coat <laughs> and then like a blue coat with a brown trouser so i love it i'll be doing something along those yeah. lines um the model itself could fit in in a lot of places in europe yeah so you yeah. You, you you could paint him to be a soviet partisan yeah. he could be french mm. resistance oh, yeah. he could be dutch yeah. like there's it, it, it there's so much opportunity to, to actually go quite hard into the paintings yeah. Yeah. for Pete. I'm so I'm actually really excited to see what um, people do. And because it's one figure, I think it gives a bit more of a chance in the painting competition side of things that it doesn't go to the default best painters in bolt action. Okay. I think I think if you you got one figure and you're not spending the time on the entire force, you might have the opportunity to try a few techniques sure, and, and yeah. get get something looking quite unique. Uh, it's actually, uh, I know a lot of the really top tier elite painting competitions uh, from the outside, I know that what will typically happen is you'll register to one of them and you will have a model provided to you and everybody gets the same model. Yeah, right. And so it's it's more of a, a, an exercise in assessing that painter's creative ability as opposed to ability to assemble a model uh, choose yeah. a model, yeah, etc. Yeah. And but that model cost is included in the ticket or oh, yeah. the entry, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think in those cases it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for checking in with the historical miniature gamers podcast. Thank you very much, Tyler, for being a part of this cast. Thanks, Thanks again, Fortune. Um, please like and share uh, this video if you if you liked if you enjoyed it. 
let us know what you think in the comments below. Have a look for us on, on all the podcast apps out there. So we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts as mm. well. Find us on Facebook. Let us know what you think of the cast. If there's anything that you want us to cover, we'd be more than happy to try and accommodate what the community is after. So it's uh, Historical Miniature Gaming on Gamers on Facebook. Yep. Western Tabletop and no, just Western Tabletop on YouTube and Facebook. And Western Tabletop is also on Facebook. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Now, good to know. And uh, you know, if you ever see well any of us now out in public, I'm I'm. Ta the talent over here <laughs> loves being approached by people so definitely you know i'm sure yeah if you see us uh have a chat we always love uh talking to people who've seen the show or haven't seen the show and yeah definitely yeah. come say hello to us mm. so wherever you can find us search western tabletop or search hmg podcast historical miniature gamers you'll be able to find us okay thanks everyone bye